to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? And welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh King. I'm looking at Sam and Micah right now. Micah, that shirt is pretty. I love it, this shirt, man. It, I like it. You I'm got a fan. flowers or something. But this is good radio where nobody else can see my shirt. Well, no, let me, let me de- for our listeners, let me describe what the shirt looks like. Do Sam, you remember, give us the color commentary. Do, do you remember when we were in middle school? And you had those books where if you stared at it long enough, a 3D image would pop that's out. That's right. Right. A unicorn's going to pop out of that shirt. That's the way that Micah's shirt looks. So, if I stare at it long enough, some 3D image of <laughs> a dead theologian is going to pop out of Micah's that's shirt. That's right. I like it. Now, the question is, who who's the dead theologian that's going to pop out of my shirt? I was shirt? just going to That's a bigger question. Um, hmm, I don't know. I'm John not, Wesley. John Wesley. No, it would be Brainerd. Oh, David, David Brainerd would David be a Brainerd. good guess. Dead missionary. M- norm, m- no, known more as a missionary, but certainly right, yeah. a theologian as well. Sure. Um, a future topic we're going to probably discuss is pastors and missionaries being theologians. So, you'll have to stay yeah. tuned for that. The pastor as a theologian. That's a really good topic. Sam. But not for today. Nope. Not for today. You know what is for today and for right now? Our sponsor. Yeah. Church Initiative. Uh, the creators of Grief Share, Divorce Care. Uh, just want to take a moment and tell you guys about them. Those of you who have been with the podcast, uh, you you know who they are at this point. Uh, but it's time to go sign up for these programs. Both Grief Share and Divorce Care are, are simple and easy to use. You just need one volunteer. Connect that lay leader to the church initiative team. They're there for you. Um, you get freed up for your ministry if you're a pastor, if you're a, a ministry leader. Um, you can connect a volunteer to help organize this and then church initiative just does it all for you um great company um they offer customized you know their coaches offer a ministry launch plan that is customized for your church they provide step-by-step support their coaches are always available and the coaching is free that's the kicker that's the thing that makes church initiative different uh with their divorce care and grief share programs so you can go get the quick start guide uh, which is a great overview um, go to divorcecare.org slash start slash EST or griefshare.org slash start slash EST. One more time, divorcecare.org slash start slash EST, griefshare.org slash start slash EST. Go take a quick peek, see what they are all about. Great, great company, great resources. Fantastic resource. And as always, we are thankful that they are sponsoring EST. Hey guys, so like on our last episode, we talked about fall failure to relaunch and if you have not yet listened to it if you're a listener i really encourage you to go back i know it's a question that you and your staff and your team leaders are all asking how are we going to get back into the fall and uh it's a great episode one of the comments that was made was this idea of uh you know being with friends the pandemic has made us isolate just physically but then also Our rhythms have been messed up. Most of our meetings are online. We're not really spending as much time with others and peers. And so we thought it'd be a great idea to talk about friends within the church and how that how that is a a different experience for pastors and ministers and church leaders. So uh, let me just ask you guys: Have you ever had close friends within your congregation? 
Absolutely. And I'm on the side that it's a necessity. Oh, you're going full necessity. I'm I'm just, going it's a good idea. In. You're going necessity. A pastor must have friends in the church. And I can nuance that view, but that's the, that, that's the theme. That, that's my line of argumentation for today. All right, cool. Let's get in a fight. Micah, what <laughs> is your line of demarcation? Yeah, no, we, I've definitely had good friends in the church um, who are members of the church. I've got f- folks right now who are very good friends. We had um, a couple that came and visited us about three or four weeks ago from Missouri that were members of our church. The second church I pastored, I've got a good buddy from the first church I pastored. They were all members. So, yeah, I, I, in every church I've pastored, I've had good friends who are members of the church. And, um, I, I used to say it's a necessity. I, I would still probably be pretty firm that it's important that you be invested in relationships. I, I don't know if I'd quite say necessity, but I would still be pretty strong. It just slightly nuanced, maybe. Hmm. I read a book just the other day in which the advice in We're the We're proud book of you, Josh. <laughs> I mean, I skimmed the cover. How many um, co- how many pages were drawings and I pictures, Josh? It. It was, it was the drawings I put in there? or yeah. So, the um, the, it explicitly told – and, man, I wish I could remember which of the many, many books I'm reading right now, which one this was, <laughs> but it's explicitly said not to. It's yeah, I've seen that many times. not have friends in the church. And, um, I mean, I, I wish I disagreed with Sam so we could argue about this, but I don't. I think it's a great idea. I just don't understand the caution. I really don't understand the caution. I think it's rooted in, a, in an aberrant – apparent – a bad view of the pastor's role. And so that's the part that I think would lead people toward not having friends in the church. But I think it's good. I like it. I like having friends in general. I don't really care what church they go to. So it is the body of Christ. Sure. And you're a part of it. That you are a part of and which you're supposed to lead. Mm -hmm. So if you want friendship in the church at all, you have to lead out with that as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Now, it is extraordinarily challenging in a small church that needs a lot of revitalization. So for our listeners that are like, I got 15 people in my church or 20 or 30, and they all jacked up. Like, they can't be my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I get it. Uh, so I am talking more from a perspective of ideals not from reality. So that's my nuance is, yes, it is a necessity, but I also, I mean, my first church of six, had six people. So, I mean, how is that going to be? Some, there's some male pastors who are like, there's only females in the church. You know, how does that work? I mean, so I understand that there's all sorts of different sort of uh, cases within churches. But I think ideally, yes, you would have friends in the church and that in a larger church, 100, 200, 300 people, that it really should, you really should be a priority. Maybe not a necessity, but a priority. That maybe that's the better word. Let's yeah, let's think, talk about a couple of cautions with it, Micah. Like, pre, yeah, I mean, so your friends. What are cautions? Well, I mean, I don't know if it was before your friends or not, but I would say one of the things that can be challenging as a pastor is finding people who want to be your friends because they want to be your friends and not. Mm. On the other hand, people who want to be your friends because they want access to decision making or 
uh, because they think it's cool to be friends with the pastor or something like that. And I think that's challenging. And the older I've gotten, the more that's been, um, you know, important to me. I want, I want people who want to be our friends just because I want to hang out and have a good time and, you know, be our friends, that sort of thing. And so I think that's uh, one of the things that you sort of have to be, uh, because otherwise, you know, with, with friends, you're always going to be vulnerable. Uh, and when you're vulnerable, you open yourself up to the risk of getting hurt or of someone taking advantage of you or that sort of thing. And so, I mean, we would be crazy not to acknowledge that those risks are not out there. They're it's there. Not, it's not even a risk. Let's just say it will happen. It's going to happen. At it's some not point. even like, hey, yeah. you're taking a chance on this. Yeah. It is you. You are going to be hurt by the church if you have friends in the church. But here's the thing. You're going to be hurt by the church anyway. Well, yeah. you know, when I'm at a, when I preach a funeral, I always say to the family and friends, you know, they're crying or they're grieving. One of the things I always remind people is the only reason you grieve is because you loved, right? The, mm -hmm. uh, if, if, if lots of people die every day and none of us grieve those people because we didn't know them, we had no relationship. And so the question you have to ask yourself, if you don't want to grieve, are you willing to sacrifice uh, love, genuine relationship. Now, I mean, the same thing is true in your relationships in the church. You can have no relationships with anyone, but you're going to lose, um, you're going to lose significantly, uh, parts of the human experience. And mm -hmm. the sad truth is here's where, where I think the rubber gets, hits the road. The sad truth is all of us know a lot of people who do not have good friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of pastors, I should say, who do not have good friends and they get easily lonely, burned out, frustrated, depressed, all of the above. Yeah. One thing that I would add that I've learned, especially if you are a church leader of a church that has staff or let's say there's a lot of leaders in the staff. And I've experienced this as a younger pastor. There's an assumption in some regards of being friends. I think this is true in the church in general. And. I always blame it on the, the village church in Dallas and they have this thing that they made really catchy, you know, the life on life. And I think other churches have done that for sure. But I mean, in my experience, there was this whole life on life. We're just going to, we're going to walk through life together. And what happened in a lot of young Christian culture and in the church Christian culture was this assumption that once you join a church, whether staff or not, you become instant friends. Instant vulnerability, instant openness, instant um, letting people into places that you ought not immediately let people into. So one of the things that I've done, especially in my second pastorate, was I have been very clear with the staff and other people that I start to get close to is like this. I'm open to being friends. I like being friends with people. However, friendship takes a while and I'm going to let it happen naturally. I don't have to be friends with everybody that's my age in a church. I would like to be but some are just going to click better than others. Now, whether or not you have my kind of personality where you're just going to say that out loud or you're going to think it, I think that there should be some protection to let friendships happen naturally and not instantly. I think that instant thing is what leads to so much more hurt because for whatever reason, pastors and ministers think that the second they join a church, they have to be best friends with the other people that are their age or other people in leadership. And you don't. And there's nothing at all wrong with that. Sometimes you're going to be a good boss. You're going to be, you can be a good pastor without being a best buddy. And you can be a good boss without being a best friend. So you need to kind of differentiate those things and allow it to work out naturally. Also, don't feel any sort of guilt. I think this is a massive thing in our social media world right now. I can't tell you, and you guys probably have seen or heard of similar fights in which this group of people is upset with that group of people 
because some pictures were shared online and they weren't included in this party or something. And I've had to tell both of those groups before, listen, you don't have to be friends with them. They don't have to be friends with you. You can both love one another and not invite each other over to your house every Friday. That's fine. We need to mature a little bit where we understand that there's a big difference in your friends and your friend list. There's yeah, a massive difference in those things. I think there's another level here too. And that, I mean, this, this, it would depend on whether you have staff or not, but I, I know for me, sure. um, I want to have a good friendly relationship with all of our staff. I want us to work well together. I want us to enjoy each other. I want us to spend some time together. But I've also found this, and this just may be me, for when I supervise people, it can be difficult for me to be close friends with them, uh, particularly when I've got to have difficult conversations or we've got to do some sort of confrontation or that sort of thing. The, the more, the closer we are, the more difficult that becomes, the more challenging that becomes. I think that's absolutely true. And you've got to yes, consider that. Especially with your direct reports. Mm -hmm. um, those who were reporting, because you're going to be doing the review, you're the, you're the one who's deciding, often you're the one who's deciding pay raises and to what degree, um, that would be a big caution. Um, it, it is tempting to be friends with a lot of the staff, particularly if you're the lead pastor and if you have staff. Um, and, th and there is nothing wrong with that. But I would, I would say that it, the, of the pool of potential friends, um, I would say that a lead pastor especially needs to be looking more to the congregation and perhaps say the deacons um, than, than the staff. Uh, that being said, nothing wrong. I have friends on staff. And mm -hmm. we're actually pretty, we've got a pretty tight staff. So, um, and I think we're all fairly good friends, but you do have to be very careful if you're the supervisor. Um, so I would say if you're new to this and you're trying to find a friend, um, then take the initiative, which is the other thing you have to do. You can't wait on it. Take the initiative with maybe somebody who's not a direct report. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we just don't, have this sort of idea in which these relationships are supposed to happen naturally. And I keep talking about that, but they are. So, you know, you and your spouse go to dinner with, you know, several different couples, hang out with people, see what clicks and don't force things there because it is enriching for you to have deeper relationships, but they need to develop naturally. And so, um, you know, you need to express that. I've also had conversations with staff people that are, blunt they're a little bit more blunt on the level of like it feels like there's a hindrance between the two of us in our working relationship and i think that stems from the fact that we're not weekend friends is that accurate or not and a lot of times they'll express yes i feel sort of a frustration there why don't and you're you're able to shepherd somebody through the thing to say look if we didn't work together we wouldn't hang out we have none of the same interest we have none of the same um passions and stuff our kids aren't the same age and stuff like that and that's okay I still appreciate you and value you, but yeah, we're not, you don't even like kayaking and I spend my whole weekend kayaking. Why? I mean, you know, that's a, that's a real thing. And once they can see that, because again, I think Christian young adult culture has made this instant friendship expectation on people that is actually unhealthy and it tears apart community because it's supposed to be microwave and that's not the way that it works. Yeah, and I'd say there's different kinds of friends as well. Like I've got a I've got a buddy here at the church, um, and he loves baseball cards and going to baseball games. Well, okay, there's one person in the church that is a baseball card nerd and loves baseball, but both of those things. I mean, so it's like I have found a friend, 
um, mm-hmm. because that's what I like to do. And he's sure. always at the card shop. I'm taking my girls to the card shop. Um, and it's just a good friendship. Uh, and But then I've got other uh, church members that I interact with more on social media. And I don't, I'm not saying social media is friendship, but man, you know, my baseball card buddy, like he's not on, I don't think he's on social media. Like we don't, we would never interact online, but I've got other people that interact with online a lot. Mm-hmm. So there's different kinds of friends as well. Let's, let's just mention. Yeah, that. I think I mean, that's you're, right. You're going to have some, you're going to have that one or two or three people that you're absolutely close with. I mean, with like you guys, you guys are my friends, but mm-hmm. we never hang out because we don't hang out in real life unless it's online. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I would. We hang out once a year at the Southern Baptist Convention, and since that got canceled this summer, we don't get to do that this year. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, our friendship. By the way, I do, I do enjoy hanging out with you guys. I really do. I'm glad. Uh, And and Josh and I, Josh and I went out to eat because he came to Bradenton on vacation dinner. Hey, by the way, Sam, we we have failed to mention up until this point. Speaking of baseball and friendships, that today is the day we're recording this is opening day of the Major League Baseball season, which is great for you and me, but bad for the communist Josh King. Listen, (laughs) listen. Y'all sport that Fidel Castro was super into is also um, is something that you, your sorry, wife Josh, is from Cuba. You cannot. First My of all, your wife's from Cuba, family. and second of all, you cannot disparage the sport that is America's sport in oh, that way. You're the communist man. Sorry, oh, not man. us. Oh man, baseball, big sport. Baseball's back, and Texas man got those gorgeous new uniforms. The Rangers have got that big new stadium. I'm. I'm. Listen, it looks like football's not going to happen. Um, I think the like, NFL might still, but we'll see. But And you also have a wife that we learned that loves baseball. J- uh, Sam, did you know this? Jackie, yes, I did. Jackie I did Cuban, not know this. Which is also synonymous for communism, is into baseball. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did you just well. call your wife communist? Hey, yes. Some of her policies are questionable. I'm just <laughs> I don't know that I would vote for her for America. I'm just saying. Wow. <laughs> wow. I hope Jackie listens. Jackie, if you are listening to this and you need Sam and I to help take care of Josh, we're glad what to help. What episode is this? Like 180? That would be the first episode she listened to. Oh, so. I do. I do have a comment um, on Good. wives listening in. Um, <laughs> my wife, for the first time, listened to the EST podcast. So, oh. Welcome, Aaron. Welcome. I, well, I don't here. know. I don't know that she'll listen to this episode. It she, wasn't she, compelling enough for her to keep listening to it, but she <laughs> listened once. <laughs> so um, she listened to it, and she was like, "Eh, I hear that at home, only without the other two annoying voices." <laughs> right, right. Those guys are obnoxious. So the the other thing that has been kind of eye opening to me, and I'll and I'll just share this. This came to me. This whole topic of friends and how to think through friends and staff friends and church friends came through bad experiences. And I think that's the way we learn things. I got really burned by my small group in Texas that I was really close to, had no idea that they were manipulating things behind the scenes. And, you know, I feel like really tempted to say their names right now, but I'm not going to. Don't they do just it. really burned me. Um, so there's a lot of learning on this, but one of the concepts that really kind of came to light in this was the way that our culture elevates this superficial instant friendship over Mm. other relationships. And so the way that I've learned to say this is this. If you are at a church in which you are a boss, your staff, they need, actually truly need from you to be the best, what I call benevolent or gracious boss in the world. They need you to be a great boss. They don't need you to be a great friend. That is not your role that you play in their life. If you play the friendship role with them, their other friends are not going to step into the gracious boss role. 
they need you to be a great boss. The same thing, and I know this is too simplistic and I'm kind of splitting hairs, but your church family needs you to be a great pastor. You need to pastor them. And that's different. Now, a way that you could understand that pretty easily is any of us that are parents. Haddon, my son, needs me to be a great father. He doesn't need me to be a great friend. If we were going to differentiate between those two, I do understand those bleed into each other. But primarily for Haddon, Leland, and Amos, I am to be a father. For Jackie, I am to be a husband. The friendship thing is secondarily. So once you understand that, that your staff primarily need you to be their boss, or the, the church needs you to be the leader, the pastor, or minister, or whatever it is, then um, it helps you kind of free yourself from this current mindset of a superficial Facebook friendship that I'm supposed to like everything you do and support you and reshare your comments. That's not the role I play. And so that helped me a lot in differentiating and actually having those conversations, particularly with the staff that are close to my age. That really is a big kind of stressor. Oh, we're supposed to hang out all the time. I don't feel like we're close. Well, we're not, but I'm your boss. And, and I'll say at 40 years old now, um, and I've been in ministry for 15 years, this has gotten easier for me, mm -hmm. not harder. Um, so for those of you on the younger side of things, um, much you're harder. younger than me mm -hmm. and you're struggling with friendship. Part of the reason you struggle with friendship is because a lot of guys that are like, 28, 30, 32, they get called into struggling churches, uh, churches that are a little older, and, you, you know, it's just hard to connect with people there. Mm. And I, I remember that from my, I was in my 20s, you know, my first full-time church was in my 20s. I was 26, my wife was 21, and there were no young people in the church, really. I mean, there was a handful, but not many, mm. and, and it was just hard. So, as I've gotten older, it has gotten easier to make friends in the church. So, if you are on the younger side, just know that, that it, it is I would say it's harder for somebody younger. And, and I don't know if you guys want to speak into that, but that, that's been my experience. Yeah. And what's interesting for, you know, I'm, I've been at Brainerd now for four years and I've made quite a few friends at Brainerd. I have, uh, I have friends, I have buddies across the congregation. I think Sam, I think it was you. Yeah. You, you had just finished a few minutes ago talking about the different kinds of friends. My best friends are friends that I've had longer than four years, right? I mean, these are the people that I'm closest to, the people that I text on a daily basis. But I do have many friends, friends that my wife and I go out to dinner with, friends that come over to our house. And well, I mean, pre-COVID came over to our house and hung out and we went to dinner with and, you know, all of those sort of things. And our life group, for us has become a place where we do have a number of good friends, people that we go camping with, people we go, you know, hang out with or whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. And so I think, um, I think as I've gotten older, it has become easier to make lots of friends, but I also find that there's less pressure to have a best friend because I have good friends who have been friends for a long time and, and they don't live in the area. I mean, you guys are some of those good friends and I've got another group of guys that are really close that I think you guys know about. And those are the folks that I text on a regular basis. You know, those are the folks who uh, I probably communicate most because we've just been in a relationship for a longer period of time. I mean, I'm mm -hmm. slightly older than you guys, but not much. And, uh, and I'm, yeah, I'm with you, Sam, the older I get, the longer or the easier it is for me to make lots of friends, but my best friends are those who have been the longest friends. Mm. Yeah. And I just, I, I think I know myself a little better now. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe it's maturity. I don't know. I'm also willing to be friends with a broader spectrum of people. Whereas when I was younger, it was more narrow with who I would select as a friend. And now, I mean, 
I'm pretty wide open just because I'm, I just think I'm just older and more mature. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm not mature. I'm more mature. Yeah. Um, progressing. That's true. So I think that's Considering just part our of our conversation of before life. we started recording. Uh, <laughs> so, which I can't even say. I can't even allude to it now because it was so immature. Well, hilarious. Uh, so I think one of the problems I'll just say to anybody listening is that one of the issues with developing friendships is that we have a really shallow view of what friendship is. And we don't have a bunch of different departments and different kinds of relationships. I have to catch myself sometime, and we, we make fun of this on Twitter, but this happens in real life as well, where somebody will say, oh, my friend, you know, uh, you know, pastors might say this, my friend so-and-so. And the reality is when you push into that, you're not actually friends with that pastor, that pastor's a church seven states away. Y'all can communicate, you know one another, but you're not actually friends. And I think it's healthy to say these are friends. The other thing is like, what you're expecting out of those relationships. We have to be healthy when we're, if you're talking about a friend in the congregation, do you expect a person that you call a friend to take your side on every issue? Do you expect them to be vocal in every issue? If you do, I think you have a superficial view of what friendship is. Oh, I had a friend call me this week actually mm -hmm. and differ with me on mm -hmm. a decision that was made. And now I think there's a friends. way to handle it. Of course, like you're saying, yeah, they no, no, he you. was great. They didn't, he was fine. They, they didn't sideswipe you in the middle of a business meeting. That would not. No, be no, yeah. no, 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 no. They so, they called, right? Yeah, so no, I no, think, no, it was it was handled very well. And I just got to throw this in. So uh, I know this is not friends in the church, but what do you think about those people that you know, like, hey, my friend Rick Warren, or you know, hey, hey, my friend, you know, Stephen Furtick, or hey, my friend, um, you know, Sam Rayner. <laughs> Josh King, Mike Freeze. Oh, hey, my good no, no. The Mike. best is when they when I and I've heard this multiple times. I want I want to tell you guys about my friends, my, my friend Micah Fries. And the moment <laughs> they say that, I know. No, sorry, bro, you don't qualify. <laughs> yeah, you know my friend Sam Rainier. Yeah, Sam Rainier. Rainier, my good buddy Sam Rainier. Now there is one person, and I'm not going to say his name, but he is a mentor of mine, and I love him, and we've been very close for over a decade, and he still calls me Micah Fries, and he That's just hilarious. found out about a year ago that it's actually freeze because he's a mentor he's older than me i've never corrected him never wanted to correct him but with that one exception if anybody else says it i know sorry so you don't a, qualify there's a, a a pastor we all know who i was saying his name wrong for years now and to him i would say his name wrong oh thom Rainier. no it wasn't thom um <laughs> and so one day one day i say it in front of a group of acquaintances other pastors and he uh he corrects me or they correct me they're like that's not the way you say his name the deal is he's hispanic and i was saying it with a spanish accent and it's not you just say it straight with an english um, kind of word who you're talking about yeah and so <laughs> it it was so funny and he goes he goes yeah man you've been saying that wrong for a long time i just I just didn't want to call you out on it. And so it was, it was really embarrassing, but I think those name droppers are, are really obnoxious. They're, they're not actually for, and you know, we just got to, it comes from a superficial level or an insecure level. I'm sorry, an insecure level of just trying to validate yourself by who you're connected to, which is really, let me give you an anecdote. One time, one of my staff people said something about, I trust you because we're friends. And I said to her, we are not friends. 
I do appreciate you. And <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you the backhand of fellowship here. Listen, I don't even, and I told her, I said, I love you enough to let you know, because she was very young. I love you enough to let you know. You've got to put more weight in what that word means, or else you're going to get burned a lot. You and I are not friends. We don't, we're not even, you know. Maybe there's a way to say that we're friendly. There's a difference between being friendly and being friends. Sure. And I mean, it's just my personality to be cut dry. We're not friends. I have a, a respect for you, appreciation for you. Here's the other side of that. What I'm saying is this, is when you use that word friend all the time and you drop it for people you barely know, or you shook their hand one time at a conference, you are cheapening actual relationships in your life that God gave you to bless you. And nobody else may know who they are on Twitter. They're just the local mechanic that's just really good friends with you. And that's awesome. That's a blessing from God. I just think that we have for so long cheapened what friendship means that we don't even know how to look for it or invest in it or or appreciate it. And I think that can happen in or out of the congregation. But I think it's good. You need to have friends. All right. So we're more in agreement on this topic than I realized. I thought that I might be, I don't know, I thought I might be a bit extreme on my view. And just for our listeners. There are many times when we don't really discuss much before the show. We just come uh, up with a yeah, topic we, and roll with it. On it so. and roll. I think it's good, though. But uh, what I would, uh, you know, in this show, the same way we ended the last episode was something you said, Sam. You need to be friendly. Yeah, people who complain about not having friends that are real mean, that's your fault. Um, be friendly to make friends and go out and pursue these types of relationships. They don't just come to you and they are un. it's unhealthy if you don't have close friendships yeah you have to take the initiative if you are the leader then you need to lead out with friendship as well Mm -hmm. um and just keep that in mind that a lot of people are going to look at you particularly if you're the lead pastor in a church um a church that has a staff there's going to be a bit of a put you on a pedestal and and Mm -hmm. you know a lot of that's breaking down with the demise of cultural christianity but it's still there you're the leader they look up to you you have to take the initiative you have to be the one that reaches out a lot of times people won't do it on their own um, and you have to model it for your church. So don't be afraid to try to make friends. Yeah, and we didn't even touch on the idea that um, there's just a cultural thing with American males um, that we don't make friends. We don't. There's that's 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 sissified or something like that. We don't. I don't it's the Marlboro Man yeah. mentality. I don't got a best friend. Yeah, you do, and you know you want one. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, my good bestest friends in the world, Sam and Mike. My besties. So, my besties. So glad that uh, y'all joined us. So glad that you are listening. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on Twitter or on iTunes or wherever you find our podcast. We'll catch you next week. Hi there, Tom Rayner here. I realize it might seem we're nowhere near the holiday season, but it will soon be upon us before you know it. And our friends over at Church Initiative want us to remember that the Thanksgiving and Christmas season is a time of year that can be really tough for people who's lost a loved one or who have been divorced. So listen to some of the things grieving and divorced people say on their Grief Share and Divorce Care Facebook pages during the holiday season. People like Jean and Susan are hurting. They're looking for help. And you can provide it through your church, through Divorce Care and Grief Share, Surviving the Holiday Events. Visit churchinitiative.org forward slash holidays to learn how your church can offer one or both of these impactful programs this holiday season. And you can get the information in the show notes as well. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.